This morning, um, we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, we've been walking through, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, if you haven't, if you're not aware. And we are at a shifting point in the sermon series, and it comes at the perfect shifting point of Advent. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about company is coming. It's a metaphor for the ushering in of baby Jesus. When he comes, when literally time is split from B.C. to A.D., Jesus comes. The Lord comes and fulfills the promises that have been spoken uh, since the beginning of time about the seed of the woman coming to crush the head of the serpent, that there would come one day a king, as we'll see, which was promised to David, a king that would come and uh, who would take care and fulfill all these promises. The first week we looked at our messes in our lives and how we are need to be aware of those messes. And um, so when company is coming, we clean up the house, right? We find where the messes are. We, we clear out the cobwebs. We dust uh, all the chandeliers and the lights and those type of things. And then the next week, we looked at the cleaning crew coming in and cleaning house, getting rid of that mess. And last week, uh, we looked at decorating the house, deco- decking the halls out this festive time. This is one of my most favorite times of year. I love the feeling, how special it is. We literally take things and make it somewhat different. We make it more unique, more special during this Advent season. And there's a reason for that. And it's all about Jesus. And so we've looked at the mess. We've looked at how to clean that up. And we've looked at how we can adorn our homes and our lives with holiness, with righteousness, to really be prepared to usher in uh, the coming king, right? To usher in the newborn king, King Jesus. And today we're, we're looking more at waiting on the threshold. Now, if you think about having company over, and you're all ready. You've prepped the house. The fire's stoked. The table's set. The music is played. The atmosphere is ready. And you stand at the door waiting for the company to, to arrive. And you see their vehicles pull up. And you see their silhouette as they get closer to the door. And your hand is ready to turn the knob. And you're waiting those few moments until you receive the company. Because you understand that when you open this door... Everything that you've prepared for is about to come to fruition. Everything that you've decorated, everything you've cleaned, all the messes you've identified, all the food that you've prepped, all of your life was to welcome in your guests. You're you're filled with this expectation and this overwhelming joy of excitement as you stand at the threshold waiting. Now, a lot of us can probably remember these moments of waiting at the threshold. I remember one specific one when I was six years old and it was Christmas Eve and we had already done all the festival uh, festivities of a Christmas Eve traditions that we get involved in and it was time to go to bed and uh, in my family growing up my, my dad was a huge Santa Claus guy. He loved Christmas And there's obviously this rule that until you go to bed, Santa will not show up. He will not deliver the presents that you'd ask for if you're not in bed. And so Christmas Eve was probably the one time I never fought my parents on going to bed 
In fact, I would eat my sugar cookie, drink my eggnog, and rush on down to my bed. My room was in the basement. And I remember laying there underneath the covers. And can you imagine a six-year-old who's fantasizing about his blazer tag or maybe his He-Man's uh, castle? I forget what I had that year. Maybe it was the year I got a BB gun. I can't remember. But I, I just remember being a six-year-old boy laying in that bed. And usually, like, I had my room was all dark and my fan would be going. But this night, the Christmas lights in my window were flickering on the ceiling as I was staring up at it, thinking about what was about to happen in just a few hours. In just a little bit of time, those presents would be under the Christmas tree. Santa would deliver those Christmas presents. And everything that I was anticipating, all the weeks that led up to all the Christmas cookies and the Christmas movies and the Christmas lights, all were leading to Christmas Day, when I would get and to see and enjoy the gifts that my heart asked for. And I remember looking up and staring and thinking about these things, when all of a sudden my mind told me something of a great plan. And that is, because I was the only one in the basement, I had the privilege of being able to scope out the living room up on the second floor where the Christmas tree was. And I thought to myself, I could be the first one up. I could usher in Christmas Day. I can wake the whole entire home up as soon as it was Christmas. And so I tossed and turned and I began to develop this plan in my mind of how I'm going to kind of stealthily go through the family room, up the stairs, and to peek underneath the door to see if Santa had delivered the gifts. Because if Santa had already come, then I can get up and we all can enjoy Christmas together. And so I got out of bed, and I was really good at being stealthy because this wasn't my first time. This wasn't my first rodeo. I actually had, for now three weeks up to this time, snuck to the kitchen to open up all the Tupperware and sneak Christmas cookies and hustle them down into my room to where I'd stuff myself. And I, I, wanna, I wonder why I was made fun of for being fat when I was little. But uh, I couldn't help myself. There's nothing better than a frosted Christmas sugar cookie. Anyway, so I made the same trek that very night. There were six steps leading up to the door that opened up into the living room. And I remember crawling like an army crawl on my hands and my knees, or my elbows and my knees, actually. And I remember looking and getting ready to peer underneath that door to see if those presents were underneath the Christmas tree. And as I made my way and I got view of the room, immediately I ducked down in fear because I thought what I saw was my dad laying on the ground watching a TV show. And so I hustled back to my bed because I'm like, he had to heard me stir. And so I hustled back to my bed. I got under the covers and immediately began to be, provide the best performance I've ever provided in my whole entire life of pretending I was asleep. And so I'd have to slow my breathing down and my heart rate down and close my eyes, but not too tight as to fake. I had to be completely convincing because my dad came and he knew that I was awake. That would take longer for us to get to Christmas. But moments passed and my dad never came. And all of a sudden I began to question, did I really see what I saw? Did my, was my dad really up? I mean, I've been sitting here, laying in my bed, contemplating this. I mean, that whole scenario of me getting out of bed, going up to the 
to check the living room took probably a good 30 minutes. So I think enough time has passed that everybody should be asleep. Santa had hopefully already came and I could usher in Christmas. And so I finally convinced myself again that I didn't see my dad lay on the floor and that I'm gonna go take another look. And so I go again, I climb those stairs, a six-year-old little boy waiting to see if Santa had delivered his gifts under the Christmas tree. And I climbed up and I remember when I was on that last step, right before I looked again through the, the little area underneath the door, I paused for a moment. It's that moment that a lot of us are familiar with. That moment right before that first day of school happens. That moment right before you open the door and Christmas is there. I was a six-year-old boy on Christmas Eve waiting at this threshold, waiting in to usher in Christmas. And there's something about this waiting. There's something that we should actually pause and just sit and enjoy the moments of waiting. We live in a society today where we want instant gratification. We want no waiting. But that is not what the people of Israel had to endure. They didn't get instant gratification. David here doesn't get instant gratification. David here actually was just like me in six, when I was six years old, waiting on the threshold. You see, here we find in chapter 7 in 2 Samuel, a, something that has not happened since the days of Sinai with Moses. Here in this passage, we have a long script of hearing from God. The second longest, which we haven't heard since he gave the law to the people of Israel. So something special is happening. Something special is, is taking place. Something that hasn't happened for a long time, and also something that has never happened before. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, here's the scene. David, as an old man, finally is given rest from his enemies by the Lord. God delivered this rest to David from his enemies. And in this rest, in the calmness of this rest, David decides, he looks around at all that God has blessed him with in his house of cedar, and he tells Nathan the prophet, he says, I want to build a house for God. He has blessed me, and I want to build him a house. And Nathan prematurely says, go and do, for this is good. But that night, God comes and he speaks to Nathan. He says, Nathan, I need you to say these words to my servant David. I need you to tell him this. I have not dwelt in a house, nor have I desired to dwell in a house since the time I brought my people out of the land of Egypt. As I lived among them and dwelling in tents, living among my people, I have never asked the leaders or the judges or even the kings to build me a house. And tell David, tell David that he will not build me a house, but instead I will build him a house. And all of a sudden, right here, right now, let's pause and think about the fatherhood of God. For at Christmas time, we as fathers, we as parents, desire to give good things to our children. How much more does a good God, a good father God, desire to give us more than we can ever imagine? 
And we see this happening with David right here. God has already delivered him and given him rest from his enemies. He has already given David a house of cedar. He has already blessed David so much. And yet when David wants to bless him, God says, I'm going to bless you even more. When we say that God does things out of his steadfast love, out of his enduring passion for his people, there is nothing that he leaves undone. And he gives and he gives until our cup overflows. And this is what he does with David. Seeing David and telling Nathan to tell David, he says, I'm going to make David a great name. I am going to actually establish his kingdom forever. I'm going to not only just establish it, but it's going to be forever. And no longer are the people going to live and die by their actions corporately together. See, up to this point, nation of Israel, it's how they all behaved corporately, collectively, all together, that determined blessing, success, or failure, or curse, whether enemies would rule them or whether they would reign over their enemies. But now God changes it for the first time. He says, no longer will it be a corporate thing. It's going to be a king thing. It's going to be a person thing. And David, this king, is going to be one of your sons. The king of kings. And he's going to establish your, this kingdom forever. So David, I'm, you're not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for you. And all the promises that God has ever made. Do you remember the promise he made to Abraham? I'm going to make you a great nation. Then he makes a, a covenant with the people at Sinai. Abide by my law. By the very word of my mouth. And you will be blessed. You will be my people, and I'll be your God. And now we come to another promise that builds upon each of these. And finally, we get some more insight, more detail into what God is ultimately doing and how he's going to be redeeming his people, how he's finally going to bring his people into a place they can call their own, a kingdom that will forever stand, and that their enemies will no longer prevail over them, that they will be blessed, that they will be his people, and he will be their God. And he answers all these prayers, and he gives these details to David. And what is David's response? David does something I think is very important for us to learn from. He goes in, after hearing this from Nathan, he goes into the presence of the Lord, and he sits. Having heard this promise, can you imagine the excitement, the expectation overwhelming David? He's so grateful. He's so overjoyed. He's so overwhelmed with how good God is that the natural reaction, his natural response is to get up and go and sit in the presence of God. And he begins to thank God. He begins to praise him. He says, who am I that you would be mindful of me? Who am I that you would be bless me more than what I deserve? Who am I that you have told me these details concerning my family in the future? And not just my family, but concerning your people in the future. I wait, David says, with great expectation and this joy. And then he pleads with God. He says, remember this. Do all that you have said. I have confidence in this, David says. 
I believe this to be true. I will cling to this promise. And so he recites and he speaks the very promises that he just heard from Nathan back to God. And so these things that we can learn while David is ultimately waiting at the threshold of these promises to come to fruition, of these promises to be realized that one day, what David does is he sits in the presence of God. He communes with him. He seeks relationship with him. He speaks and converses with him. He speaks and recites the promises that God himself spoke to him. And he gives praise and thanks. And he remembers these things. And he carries with them, and he carries these things with him to his grave. Can you imagine being the people of Israel, hearing these things? Being David, hearing these things. And just that expectation, that excitement. But yet they were waiting. They were waiting at the threshold. The door was right here. But they did not know when that door would open. But nonetheless, they persevered. They endured with this this promise in their hearts. They clung to it. They made it who they were. They believed it. They were waiting for this Messiah, this King, that would come and establish the kingdom forever. And that they would all be given a place to call their own. That they would all have rest from their enemies. And see, us living here today, We know how the story goes. Because we know of the holy night in the little town of Bethlehem when Jesus was born in a manger. Where the angels came singing. Where the shepherds, watching their flocks by night, come and got to experience baby Jesus. It's the stories and the songs that we sing during this time. And this week, this fourth Sunday of Advent, this is where we find ourselves. We find ourselves waiting on the threshold. Christmas is this week. But let's not skip past it. Let's not just rush immediately there. We're waiting to receive our company. We get the opportunity to join with those who have come before us. We get to join with the people of Israel right now for these next few days and experience what they experience, the waiting, the anticipation, the expectation, the joy. Kind of like a six-year-old boy waiting at the door, getting ready to open it, and it's Christmas Day. We all get to wait. And what do we do while we wait? We're waiting on this threshold. We're waiting for company to come. Our hand is at the doorknob. But may we be like David. May we pause. May we go into the presence of God. And may we pray. May we converse with Him. May we leave whatever our lives and our work, and even some of the family activities that we have going on, may we pause. And may we speak to God the promises He has made as confidence, as our act of faith, to say, we believe these things to be true. For you have spoken them, and they came. Jesus has come, and we know this. And we, on this side of time, of this side of the birth of Jesus, can 
live into this and celebrate in a, in a special way that others who have come, gone before us could not. But they taught us something. They taught us how to believe while they were waiting for King Jesus. And in a sense, we are waiting for King Jesus to return, are we not? And so we are at a different threshold, but still waiting. And so I don't have a whole lot of application like I would try to do in a, in a sermon. All I have is a story that we're given about a covenant and a promise made to King David that we all get to know came true, that we all get to experience on Christmas Day as we celebrate. We celebrate something that has already happened, but we get to act like it's happening again and again for the first time each and every year. That's how special it is. And that's how special we should make it. So what I want to ask all of us is just this one thing. On this Sunday of Advent, leading up to our Christmas Eve service, that we would just pause, that we would really spend time in the presence of God, meditating on His promises, meditating on all that He's done throughout all His story. And may we Praise Him. May you remind your children of these promises. Do the slogan that everybody likes to say, that the true reason for the season is about Jesus. Make it about Jesus. Build anticipation. Build that excitement. Hold it in your heart. Hold it in tension. A joyous tension. And then I want us to all, hopefully, if we're able to make this happen and everything works out right, hopefully we all can come together putting everything else aside on Christmas Eve and the final hours of waiting at the threshold together. See, we're all waiting in our homes and celebrating and, and expecting and, and all these wonderful things to usher in the company, the guest that is about to make his appearance known to all the world, Jesus Christ, we're all doing that in our homes. We're all doing that kind of separated right now for these next few days. But in the final hours, can we all strive to get together? And maybe we have to stream it, but at least we can all at least try to either digitally or in person come together Christmas Eve, a special time. Something speaks about those last hours in the waiting of the threshold. Something to where even my dad, who wasn't a believer growing up, even knew that something special happens in church by candlelight on Christmas Eve. That the songs that we sing are what really carry us into the next day when we celebrate the coming of Jesus and the realization of those promises that God made. That's what I would have you do. That's what I would have you as a, as a point of application and as a, as a follow-up of this sermon that's entitled, Company is Coming, Waiting on the Threshold, that we all would wait together, but not just idle, but that we would pray, that we would give thanks, that we would give praise, and that at the edge of our tongue, in our singing and in our talking, we can tell people the promises that God has made 
and has fulfilled. And then we all come together. And Christmas Eve, and in those final hours, we get to worship and sing about it together.